This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Monday, December 28th, which would normally be about the time that we would record, but this does classify as an emergency podcast, uh, and it is not a good emergency, in case you have not heard the news yet. Uh, But before I delve into that, I am going to let you know that this podcast is rated explicit. Brendan and I are going to curse because that is what is warranted. We had a number of you tweeted us hoping that that would be the case. And if nothing else, Brendan and I here at the Cubs Related Podcast strive to deliver what the people want. And what the people want is for us to tell it like it is tonight. So that is what we are going to do. As always, if you are in a setting in which you don't want to hear some cursing uh, or your kids are around or anything like that, this is your warning. There's going to be some cursing. Uh, Usually when we do this, it's not, I I wouldn't say gratuitous, uh, but there is your warning. There's going to be some adult language here. If you need to dip out now, dip out now and, uh, you know find a different time to listen, don't listen. Again, we don't do this all the time, but it's warranted tonight. So, Brendan, here is why we are doing this. We have said for a couple years now that it might be time to prepare yourself for this team to do some stuff that was going to suck based on what we heard about the payroll, uh, the stuff from ownership, things like that, and of course, the underwhelming relatively performance of the team on the field over the last uh, few years, again, relatively to the rest of, you know, the league and expectations. And I would, I'm, you know, if you were a big Kyle Schwarber fan, perhaps that was the start of those moves. Um, But player-wise, this is probably the first actual thing that they did that really falls into that category where I hope you had heeded our advice and prepared yourself because they did something today that I'm going to get the first one, Brendan. I hope you 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 don't mind, but I'm I'm going to take I'm going to take the first one here. The Cubs did something today, folks, that is really fucking stupid. Um, they traded you Darvish to the San Diego Padres for a package and Victor Caratini for a package that includes Zach Davies uh, and his one year of control to replace Darvish in the rotation, and a bunch of teenagers and prospects that I believe have amassed about 70 innings of professional baseball. Um, So that's where we are. And they get, uh, you know, none of the Padres, like top five prospects or anything like that. Um. And yeah, that's 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 it. it. it it's yeah. it, it's one of those things where, as this was coming out on Monday, we started to get the trickling uh, of things. You know the the various reports that were out there, the various possible packages and things like that were wide ranging in in terms of okay, maybe this is okay. Actually, this would be pretty good. Oh my god, this is a nightmare. And we landed on the nightmare. I really think we did. Um and there's there's a lot to work through here. Um but, but, but as I turn it over to you, Brendan, my yeah, initial reaction is that 
We have talked for a long time about this team needing to possibly sort of pick a direction, right? For for years, their direction had basically been to run it back with the same group and minimal changes, you know, changes around the margins, but not really anything significant. And so I, I think that, you know, these different paths and different directions were always possible and stuff. But for them to trade a fan favorite who had worked for part of the time he was in Chicago to rewire himself, you know, develop different pitches, work back from injuries, and and get himself to a place where he finished second in the Cy Young voting in 2020. He was lights out in that second half of the 2019 season with years of control left, and again, coming off nearly and, and really deservingly uh, almost winning a Cy Young, to trade him for nothing of significant value in terms of prospects. And and that's not to say that all these, these players are bad prospects or they won't be good, but these are these are guys who are years away from contributing to this team. These are not guys who are on like Miguel Amaya's timeline, right? Who are, who you're sort of just like molding in with that next wave of, of Cubs talent, the Braylon Marquez, the Miguel Amaya group, right? These guys are years away. You don't get a top prospect in the Padres system. You don't even get, Zach Davies is fine, but you don't get even significant major league help in that regard. This is fucking garbage, Brendan. And it is likely from a mandate from the ownership to lessen the payroll load, uh, rid the team of, of, you know, what little long-term contracts they still have left. And it's garbage. It's garbage. You should think it's garbage. And again, that doesn't mean that none of these prospects can be good. But this is years from even potentially being able to say, oh, okay, you know, this guy was good or anything like that. This is garbage. This is trash. This is whatever word you want to use. And you as a fan should be pissed off. You should be pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, we heard reports earlier in the day once – Darvish and the Padres were looking to be more serious. And some of the names we heard included Will Myers or Cronenworth or some of these other potentially close minor leaguers prospects that could contribute in 2021-2022. So I'm thinking, okay, like if you trade Darvish, the, the concept of trading Darvish, I was never fully against but with the caveat that we would be getting some type of immediate value back for 21, 22, and 23. I thought maybe it does make some sense. But the issue that we have is they traded Darvish for maybe a win window in 2024, in 25, you know, four seasons from now. And the players they got back, like this, this is the tricky part that we're going to have to figure out. Over the course, the players they got back, these are quality players. These are quality prospects. They're teenagers, though. They're 17, 18-year-old teenagers, and one of whom, super talented, a recent second-round draft pick, Owen Casey, but he's 18 years old. He's never stepped foot on a professional baseball diamond. So that that is the issue. I've never had a problem trading Darvish for... Uh, and a projectable return, a somewhat projectable return. But you lost Darvish. You lost Caratini. So if you want to try to compete this season or in 2022 or 23, you don't have the luxury of trading you, Darvish, or Caratini to bolster those teams. That is the issue. They fucked up the next three years window because – they don't have the deep talent pool to improve their immediate major league roster. Now, the argument can be had that, okay, well, if you do want to compete in 22 and 23 and 24, you can trade these prospects whom the Cubs just acquired. Sure, that's great, but these are 17, 18-year-olds. What will happen in the next two years to their development? Will they be considered top prospects a year from now, two years from now? This is the level of uncertainty you take on when you trade for teenagers. So 
that that is my issue. In years past, the Cubs have traded controllable talent for soon to be ready major league players, top prospects, top ten prospects. They they didn't do that here. They traded what should have been the 2020 Cy Young Award winner and his personal switch hitting catcher with three years of team control for teenagers, dude. For teenagers. And again, they are they are they are very talented. They are shiny tools, some of them the power, the speed, the package, the defense to go along with it, right? It's that you won't know what type of value they can give to this team in maybe two years from now. You put a hole in your calendar. You said, all right, 22, 23, maybe 24. We'll see what happens. And to do that with trading the Cy Young Award winner, again, in our eyes, doesn't make much sense to me. It's extremely disappointing. And that that's that's all I have. It's I can't I can't believe they traded Darvish for teenagers, dude. For teenagers. Well, what the fuck are they thinking? I, I think, you know, part of what is so frustrating is that we knew this was possible because it 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 made sense that Darvish held the most value of their tradable assets, right? Yeah. You have a guy like Bryant who is on an expiring deal, who's going to make a good amount in arbitration, and who has had, you know, very wonky performance over the last couple years. So his value is up in the air. You have someone like Baez, who's, again, another expiring contract, and he's coming off the worst offensive season of his career, right? And again, you know, this is all like, how do you value 2020, et cetera, whatever. We're not really talking about that. So it, it, it made a decent amount of sense to say, you know what, like, if we are not going to have the resources from ownership to really invest in this 2021 team and to make that team as good as possible and to secure the extensions if you want to for some of these guys, it may make sense to move someone like Darvish and get as big of a haul as you can and then you know sort of just see what happens in 2021 but then you've replenished things you've moved some money and you can sort of attack things in 2022 but brendan like what the fuck is this return man that's it you didn't get one like headlining name for a guy that almost just won the Cy Young. And look, I I get it. I know that Darvish is going to be 35 in you know at some point during the 2021 season. I know he has had a history of injuries and I know his contract isn't exactly cheap. So it, it's not it's not as though it, it's, you know, you have to consider those factors. Sure. But nothing about what we've seen from Darvish over the last year plus suggests that he is not going to be a, you know, top-ish tier pitcher for the duration of his contract, right? His velo has been very good, and when he came back from the injuries with the Cubs, it ticked up and ticked up and ticked up, and he was sitting in the upper 90s in some of these games. He's out there adding pitches to his repertoire, using the new technologies, spin rates, all these things to create more versatility within his arsenal so that if certain pitches do diminish in quality or velocity or things like that as he ages, he's got 10 other pitches to try to put together a game plan and to get whiffs and all that other stuff. And you you make this move, you you trade a a guy first of all, a, an amazing human being. You Darvish is an amazing human being. He's put up with so much bullshit from the, the Dodgers Every, fan base, from the Cubs fan base, from the media in both of those places Cubs on a national media. level, and he's Terrible. done it with such class a master class in in how to handle things and how to be the bigger person the way he handled the Yuli Gurriel racist gesture in the World Series on the national stage you Darvish handled that with more class than I think any of us could have imagined handling that I wouldn't have handled it that professionally no. right and so you trade not only an amazing human being but a fan favorite somebody that the fans had gravitated towards and who had made a real connection with this fan base, and you do so at a time where the division is such garbage that for the for the Chicago Cubs to be making the decision to say, you know what, 
Don't care that the division's garbage. Don't care that we still have a lot of talent on this roster. Don't care that some of this talent only has a year left. We got to get rid of money. We have to do this. We have to shed some of this is such bullshit and such crap. And, you know, part of the, look, we say this on every episode, right? And it's, and it's worth repeating tonight, even though I always say I don't want to repeat it. I end up repeating it. Like, there's there's some takes and some reaction to when people delve into the trade itself um you know if you do anything other than just yelling about the Ricketts family being cheap the whole time you're you know you're doing a disservice just to, to certain segments of Cubs Twitter and and just people like they made this trade. We got to talk about the trade. If we just sat here for 45 minutes and said, fuck the Ricketts, sell the team, they're being cheap, blah, blah, blah. Like, that. Well, who's that helping, right? That's a caveat on every episode of this show. It is a joke that they are in this position. I don't care what Tom or anybody says about how much money they potentially lost in 2020. I don't care about the developments they've done in the neighborhood or to Wrigley Field. I don't give a fucking shit, Brendan. The family is worth billions of dollars. The team prints money when fans are allowed and all that stuff. All the other teams, including, guess who, the San Diego Padres, who you just traded your best pitcher for, right, all dealt with the pandemic. Everybody dealt with this, right? The Cubs have the highest ticket prices in the league. They have, I believe, for years now, the highest game day experience, so the overall cost of attending a ball game with your family. And so I don't give a shit about their losses. This, They're, they're cheap. They should sell the team, and I'm completely sick of them. But at the same time, that's always true. It's always been true, right? They made the deal. We have to discuss the deal. And I'm, we're not just going to sit here and yell about that. But I did want to get that out there. Like, of course, this is yeah. why this is happening, because they're yeah. cheap pieces of shit. But like, we're, you, you have to move beyond that. And, and trying to, you know, justify the trade or talk about certain parts of the trade like you're you know like not everything is carrying water for the owners they made the trade baseball yeah. moves on we have to talk about it Fuck Corey, the like, what, there you go like, i can't of, say it one anymore. of the one of the issues i have with this trade is we we have very little to talk about yeah the cubs got back four decent encouraging young prospects but i can't even talk about their gameplay because they have not played organized professional baseball yet like, what do we have to talk about? So that, that, is, that is one issue I have. And so if the, if the Cubs were to have traded Darvish for someone, like we heard, like Cronenworth, who's a 26-year-old cost-controllable utility infielder with projectable value, then we can have a legitimate conversation of how the Cubs can compete in 21, 22, 23 with some you know, payroll flexibility. We can't even have that conversation. Like we're talking now about, should we trade Chris Bryant? Should we trade Javi Baez? Because you just lost a five to six war pitcher, Corey. That is our discussion. And Zach Davies coming on board at his best, two and a half to three wins above replacement, right? And you're losing Vic. That's probably a one to two wins in a loss right there, depending on who your backup catcher is. So 21, the certainty that you were going to compete for a division just became more uncertain, right? And it's in the opposite direction. You get even more worst-case nightmare scenarios for 21, which means you may get worse nightmare scenarios for 22, right? Let's say the Cubs do suck in 21, which was not a foregone conclusion if Darvish and Caratini were on the team. Let's say they suck in 21. Maybe goodbye, Bryant. You sell Bryant at the deadline. Maybe goodbye, Bias. You sell Bias at the deadline. Now you're punting 22. You're punting 23. 24 is a, you know, a coin toss. You're rebuilding again, right? So the possibility of a rebuild just became way more realistic than it once was 24 hours ago. And for a big market team like the Cubs, who just came off a World Series four years ago, with this current crop of talent, mind-boggling that they are in this situation. And we said it ourselves, right? Like, we have to treat each trade 
each acquisition as the total sum, mm -hmm. right? The total sum, the other possible moves this offseason are very narrow to get this team to compete in the near future. Well, do you even want to do that, dude? That's what I'm trying to say. Why Corey? even bother? It's like you just blew you blew it you blew it up. This is like blowing up twenty one and I would say twenty two and twenty three. There's no certainty. And what's there, like what's so yeah. frustrating about it is you know, again, and this goes back to the the caveat that I laid out. Like it just doesn't have to be like this. Even if the the, the like Ricketts that, yeah. didn't want to spend a lot of money, right? This division is so bad. Like no one was even asking for that much for twenty twenty one. Right, like go out and sign, you know, Robbie Grossman or something like that, and and you know, uh, who's the guy you love, Martin Perez for the rotation, like, <laughs> yeah. and just see what happens, right? Like that's easily the best team in the NL Central. Maybe you get hot. Maybe something's around at the deadline. Maybe someone like Alzali is you know way better than you thought, or you bring up Marquez or Amaya, and you get that little jolt, and you go screw around in the playoffs, right? Like big deal, you know. No one, like, even limiting all of our expectations, no one is sitting here being like, well, if they don't sign, you know, uh, Trevor Bauer and George Springer, like, th this is a fit. It's like, we all knew that this offseason wasn't going to be great, right? We we knew that this this type of, you know, cost cutting or getting under the threshold, whatever it was going to be, was coming at some point because they hadn't really done it. Even though they hadn't spent a lot of money, they hadn't slashed payroll, right? So, but you you move the one guy, really, right, that you, you can't move if you're trying to compete in 2021. You, you, like, how many times do we say that that a guy like Darvish, and even just having a top two of Darvish and Hendricks, you can compete in the NL Central yeah. as it's currently constructed with yeah. a top two of those guys, Alzali, Mills, and hoping whatever else works, right? Your rotation now, and this is getting into, I mean, this is all over the place. This episode's going to be all over the place because there's just I mean, a million thoughts coming, right? Yeah. But, like, Davies is fine in a vacuum. The Cubs certainly have problems hitting him. So, uh, you know, maybe that's why they got him because their professional scouting department doesn't know how to hit him. Um, but, like, what the fuck are they, what are they doing Brendan, their rotate the top three guys in their rotation are all the same pitcher. They're just worse versions of each other. Zach Davies yeah. is a worse version of Kyle Hendricks, and Alec Mills is probably a worse version of Zach Davies. They all throw know. slow. They all rely on changing speeds. Who builds a rotation like that in 2020? Well, all these other teams are loading up on that. guys that throw 99 and 105 miles an hour, and the Cubs are building a team out of the 1920s. Like, what the fuck? They don't give a shit, Corey, about 21. That's, that's the thing. Clearly. And, like, again, I keep—this is just in my brain and burned in my brain. You can trade you, Darvish— that is fine by me. I said, everyone's on the table. Trade you, Darvish. Trade Chris Bryant. Whatever. But doing so with the knowledge that you can get back something immediate, right? And when I say immediate, I'm not even saying 21. I'm, I'm not even saying 22. I'm saying even 23. Some sense of projectability. You cannot project 17-year-old human beings, 18-year-old human beings, and you traded you Darvish for them. I like them as players, fine. But now who are you going to trade from this current roster to bolster your roster in the next three years, dude? Chris Bryant's not it. Javi Baez is not it. Rizzo, God help us all if he's even in a discussion, is not it. Contreras, probably the last remaining piece. So if you want to get immediate value in the next three years, you got one person on your team that can do that for you, and that's Contreras. That's not going to cut it. it. You have a very narrow path forward to compete in the next three years with this current roster. You need a hell of a lot of good to happen in the minor league system next year. A hell of a lot of good. And this is coming from a completely revamped a minor league developmental system of which some people are not even convinced it's the way to go 
the Cubs have been so behind developing their players over the years that the stuff I've heard that I've been told is mind-boggling, jaw-dropping. So it's not even a foregone conclusion that our system, as it was in the early 2010s, is going to produce some type of immediate value. Like, that, that kills me. Rebuilds are really hard. And there's a lot of examples. And we did have to do a we don't have to do a rebuild, man. Like that's the no, thing. and, and, and they're not. I mean, we don't even now. know if that's necessarily what, what they're, they're doing. doing. If they don't make any other moves, they're not. You know, who I don't even know what to call what they're doing, right? But the whole point of the rebuild in the first place and bringing over Theo and everything that they did was to not do this. Right? Like it was specifically to avoid doing this. It was specifically (laughs) so that you were building an organization that at worst, you know, you would have down years where, you know, it just didn't line up and it it didn't make sense to really go all in, but the team should still be relatively competitive and whatever, right? And it's a developmental year. But the, the whole point was to build an organization and a pipeline that was churning things out. And again, like... The, the organization, just because the division was winnable in 2021 and all that other stuff, like the organization needed change, right? But this feels like change for money-saving sake. But that is not the type of change that this team needed. Like this team needed perhaps a refresher of just running out the same group and different profiles from an offensive perspective and just some stuff to maybe bide some time until guys like Brennan Davis and, you know, the aforementioned Miguel Amaya can like really start to take hold in their place in the organization. Like this is a, a completely separate strategy. And it it's also one where, you know, we may never know, as I always say, we may never know exactly what happened here. But, like, Jed Hoyer has been in baseball for a long time. Uh, He's shown at various times that he obviously is a smart dude. Um, You know, like, you couldn't convince me in a million years. I don't care if Jed looked me dead in the eye and told me. I wouldn't believe him. That he called everybody, he did all the work he could, and he legitimately believed this was the best package that he could get. Clearly what happened here is that there was a mandate to move something, someone of significant money, and other teams know this stuff, guys, right? Like, they're not going to line up to give the Cubs the best prospect haul they can knowing that they have to get rid of somebody, right? So, like, I'm just saying, like, Jed's the one that pulls the trigger on this, but I have a really hard time believing that he's, like, sitting there thinking, yes, this is the best we could do for you, Darvish. And that's another frustrating angle of this, is that his value in a vacuum, again, even considering some of, you know, the the mitigating factors, like, he, you, a guy coming off a Cy Young season who has been as good as Darvish has, has got to get you better players than this, or even a singular better player. But a but like these guys are lottery tickets, man. And I don't know that I'm not a prospect guy. And you know, we just these guys just showed up in the system. I obviously I don't know anything about these guys. But like think about all the prospects that the Cubs have had, right? Like prospects are are lottery tickets. You know, they're so far from sure things. There's so many different things that have to happen in their development, in their career, and in everything for for this to go right and for these guys to develop into capable, everyday, or or valuable and contributing Major League Baseball players. And to not get anybody that is like a sure thing, can't miss, stud, gotta have him type prospect feels criminal i mean really criminal and the reason that i brought up that i don't believe it's it it's all on jed right is because it, it, like listen I, I'll, I'll tell you this and we may not again know this but if jed hoyer thought that this was the best package he could get for you darvish let me tell then you we something got guys problem. we're we in fucking trouble all yeah, right we're fucked so and I don't believe that. Like Jed has been in baseball a long time. He's you know he's he was part of the group that has been constantly obsessed with Anthony Rizzo over the years in different organizations. We heard you know when Theo left, like he was the guy that wanted Pedro Strope. Like there there's 
I, I don't know how Jed is going to be as a president, right? But there's too much out there to suggest that he's like just out there getting fleeced by AJ Preller in in a, in a trade like yeah. this. I just don't buy it. It has to have come from above, and it has to have been Jed yep. getting his hand forced to take whatever he could get, and it was this. You can trade Darvish. You can trade these top level current guys on the roster. Look at what the Rays did with Blake Snell. Look what they always do with all of their current, somewhat young contributors. They trade them for soon-to-be-ready major leaguers. They just did the same thing with Blake Snell. So that, that is the issue I'm having is, fine, trade Darvish, fine. But don't do it for teenagers, man. Like that, And you can dump salary, sure. Tampa just dumped salary, right? They're still going to compete in 21. They're still going to compete probably beyond 21. And they elongate their window by trading their current guys for soon-to-be projectable major leaguers. Jed went a different route. Jed went the route to try to compete or get back a package worthwhile for 2024 and beyond. That's it. And I think I've been tweeted at this a few times. I know friends have asked you know, me about it. You, people have said you cannot evaluate the trade right now because these guys are so young coming back to the Cubs. Yes, you can. It is the very issue that we're upset about is that you can't project this group of players yet. That is the issue. If you're going to trade the Cy Young Award winner, you got to get back some projectability, dude especially if we're going into the season as the projected division winner. Corey, this makes very little sense. The only sense it makes is what you just said. There's a mandate. You have to shed salary. This is what Jed did. Maybe this is the best package Jed could get. Maybe he doesn't think the team can compete in 21 and 22. Maybe this is Jed's genuine desire to get back for you, Darvish. I have a hard time believing that. We'll never know. But that's that is just a huge issue for me, man. I don't understand how you can't get back anything right away. Can't get back a you know a 23 year old, 24, 25 year old to provide a value for next year. And on top of that, Corey, on top of that, not to not to go sideways here, but I'm going sideways anyway. You Darvish found out the same way that we found out he's been traded, right? You can't tell me as a front office in these press conferences that you have exceptional top tier above the rest of the league player communication, right? That's one way they landed uh, John Lester. That's how they landed Tyler Chatwood and Jason Hamill. They've raved about Theo's ability to loop them in, to care for their families, their personal lives. And now your best player on your team was not informed even an impending trade. Corey, what the fuck is that? How can you go to the next free agent? How can you even look your current players in your face and tell them with full trust that you're being transparent with them? Yeah. You can't. You well, lost. And, and I mean, yeah. guys, you know, this, and, and this stuff changes all the time, but, you know, guys too don't, that you know, I'm sure there are plenty of guys that would look and say, "Look, if I sign a long-term deal somewhere, I don't want to find out that they're not competing and going to ship me off halfway through." <laughs> right. That's not a good look either, right? And again, right. like that stuff fluctuates. Like the Cubs, even in our lifetime, have gone from being a terrible destination for free agents to the best destination. But you know, so that stuff comes and goes. But at least for the moment, it's like if I was thinking about signing here and moving my family, I you know, would at least consider this and be like, okay, well, I'm sure you thought he was going to be a Cub for six years and, you know, now he's not. Um, yeah. Well, at least be transparent about it. That's the thing. Like, yeah, trade him, fine. Well, and I mean, be I think that's, about it. that's also, I think, a good general message for, like, this entire process with where we are with the Cubs. Like, uh, just be transparent. And I, I don't, obviously, I don't expect this at this point from any of the rickets or the organization as a whole. But like, 
I say this all the time, like so many times I use their words. They're not mine, right? I'm not the one that sends these emails and letters to fans and season ticket holders talking about how winning is the most important thing and we're always going to do our best to put a World Series winner on the field, all this other stuff that is like complete and utter bullshit. Like just say what you're going to do, right? Yeah. If yeah. and and I and I nothing they could say about how much money they lost in 2020. I again I don't care. It's a family of billionaires. I don't care how much money they have tied up in stocks or whatever. Like if you want to carry water for a billionaire family, miss me with the bullshit. Right? Don't yeah. don't fucking come to me with that. Right? Well, They're Corey, billionaires. Also, I don't fucking care also, where the money is or if it's liquid. I don't fucking care. They're yeah. billionaires. And they bought the team and they sold us on a particular ideology and a particular plan and goals and all this other stuff. And, e- and like this is for years, this has been the case. But even on November 23rd, when they did some of the press stuff with Theo and Jed Hoyer and that whole thing, Tom said, I don't think anybody's tearing anything down. What the fuck do you call trading a guy that almost just won the Cy Young? For teenagers. What for teenagers. is that other than tearing yeah. it down? And that's yeah. kind of getting to what we were talking about before. Like, just trading you doesn't automatically equal a teardown. It doesn't make the team a 60-game winner next season. But th- the team is currently constructed. is not like That team is not competing with... You're only competing in the sense that the rest of your division is also a big dumpster fire, right? But like, so that raises the question of, well, maybe this one move doesn't signal a teardown, but now you've kind of left that as your best course of action, perhaps, because Mm -hmm. what the fuck is this team going to do? Yeah. Well, you can use a team with a bunch of guys that throw 40 miles an hour and no offense to Kyle Hendricks, right? But it's just part of, it's just part of the bid. Like what the fuck, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. what the hell are you going to go do with a rotation of uh, three of the exact same pitcher, just Kyle Hendricks being way better than the other two? Like, what, what, like, what is happening right now? I, I, and I get the fact that he's, you know, 34, his contract runs through age 36. Yes, even you, Darvish, has a degree of uncertainty given his recent arm injuries. I, I'm, I'm fully aware of that, right? That doesn't mean the only path forward is to trade for teenagers, right? That's that's that is like I gotta keep going back to it. I just can't stop thinking about it. And you have consequences of this move. Let's say you go into 22, you want to compete, right? And you already take away from your current possibilities of trading existing guys to improve. That 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 is like these moves are consequential, and that that is where I'm having a really hard time grasping what the path forward is. I can't see this team competing in 21 right now, man. Like even even for the division, there's probably some different possibilities and different signings they can make. Maybe a trade or two that can get them to around 85 wins as a projection, but even then. That's that's pushing this, especially with the variability with these projections. You just lost four wins probably from your potential tally. That is a huge deal. And not only did you lose four wins from 21, Corey, guess what? You probably lost it for 22. Guess what? Probably 23 as well. And you lose the possibility of exchanging those players for value. That's also gone. There is value attributable to what you could potentially get in the immediate future that you also shed. So yes, you lost and shed four wins above replacement. Yeah, you shed 20 you know, with arbitration with Vic in the next few years, maybe you're around $65 million. But you also shed the possibility of exchanging those players for other players who can bolster the team as it as it will be currently constructed. Well, and also, you know, like, and we haven't really gotten into this, and I think you guys know I'm not, like, specifically high on Victor Caratini, but, but that also is a factor here. Like, this is a yeah, bad return is. for Darvish in a vacuum, right? Like, whatever I think about... Um, 
whatever I think about Caratini, like, I don't think he's a major league starting catcher, but, like, he has value. Like, he's a really good defensive catcher. He has shown to be able to be the personal catcher of someone who is very difficult to catch and who, you know, we have no idea how to properly attribute it, but Vic has been there every step of the way as you has sort of re- uh, transformed himself to the, this current iteration, right? That it, that it was so successful, and he's you know certainly as capable a hitter as some of these other defense first catchers in Major League Baseball, right? Like he's got years of control. He's played a little first base. Like he's not valueless, right? So this is a, this is a bad move and a bad return for Darvish in a vacuum. That you also gave them a a completely capable piece to go along with it. This is just terrible, just terrible. And it's one of those things like, how do we look back on this in six years if two of these guys are studs for the Cubs, right? Like, I have no fucking idea. You know what I mean? I I mean, you're, you're talking about so long of a like disconnect between the moves that I don't even know how to properly even hypothetically I I don't know how you would even evaluate that right you like have the to moves... factor that into the discussion like that is that is precisely why I fucking hate this deal yeah the, the impact of the impact of the move is not even for this like this current situation it, it's a completely <laughs> different team the organization will be in a completely different place by the time Jed any of these guys are the, yeah, able to contribute. The so they're, they're they're so disconnected. Jed may not even be with the team, Corey, in five years from now when these guys are coming through. Like that, that 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 is just I can't believe they did this. Like that that's where I'm at. I truly cannot believe they did this. When you're hearing. Even with the Nationals, Chris Bryant, the potential guys coming back, like Victor Robles, you're thinking, okay, you know, you get back a 23-year-old, maybe he can turn into something for 2021, 2022, 2023. Okay, I kind of see what they're doing. Maybe maybe they'll do a soft rebuild, as we've seen with the Yankees in 2016. Okay, that might make uh, more sense. Or even do what the Giants are currently doing, where you try to compete for a wild card spot in a division that's basically top heavy with the Dodgers and try to get in that way and rebuild at the same time. Okay. That makes sense. This does not make sense. This makes zero sense other than a mandate to cut payroll. And that's really it. And if that's the way forward, that's how you think you can win by 2023, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I have a hard time seeing it right now. I just, I, uh, I can't even talk about the guys coming back for you, Darvish, because they haven't had, they have no video. They have no video with the current teams. There's no data on them. What the hell am I supposed to talk about, Corey? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, and again, like, you got to see, like, what the whole plan is for this offseason. What plan um, is there? No, no, no. What I, is the plan? Corey? I, I have no idea. I, I trust me, I'm not on board with whatever they're doing, but I'm just saying it it does still matter to see how all of this plays out and and then you can address 2021 and 2022 appropriately because they're oh, likely man, not know. done and there might be even more bullshit that we have to that's deal even with. scary well that's that that's scary. that's what I mean is i'm not I'm not yeah. saying we have to wait to judge this to be hopefully positive. I'm saying we have to wait to judge this because it might even get worse <sighs> but like again, what is more frustrating than anything, and I think is the largest takeaway here, is that the Chicago Cubs, one of the premier organizations, well, they used to be. I don't know what the fuck you call this clown show now, um, but a a a premier organization in Major League Baseball in sports to a certain degree, and you you have them coming off winning a division with uh, plenty of talent and an ownership of billionaires that that sold everybody on constantly striving to compete and be at that top end of the league all the time. Again, in a terrible division that they just won, deciding to sell their best pitcher, a guy who should have won the Cy Young Award, and who has been arguably the best pitcher in baseball for the last calendar year to save money 
because the team lost a bunch of money. That that's the that's the the shit sandwich that we're all being served, yep. and that sucks. That really <laughs> really sucks. And going back to what we talked about, kind of in the beginning, there were there were ways to make moves like this, whether it was Darvish or someone like Contreras, who we discussed uh, last episode or two episodes ago, where you could make moves, you could get younger, you could get more future-oriented, you could get a different look. And again, maybe 2021 isn't you know the real target, but you're not completely messing that up. And there's ways that these moves could have made sense, right? But this is a completely separate timeline that you have just adopted for any of this value that you just gave up you Darvish for to have any significant contribution. And it leaves you in a, in a, as you were just discussing, Brendan, a very precarious spot as it relates to 2021. (laughs) Are they, are they worse than the Cardinals and Brewers or Reds? Even still, probably not. Like, honestly, I don't know. You don't know though. (laughs) Like, I don't know those, like the, the, those teams are also just not in good spots. So it's, it's really difficult to figure out, but like Darvish was the the main guy that made all that logic work, that made the whole 2021, the division sucks, you can still compete, logic work because you expected him to go out and deliver a top-tier, you know, again, maybe not Cy Young-level season, but a, a top-tier season, top-of-the-rotation season, and that coupled with Hendricks and, you know, the talent that you have in other places should be enough for you to screw around in this division. Like, yeah. you know, now you're, you're right now is constructed. You're going into a season with Kyle Hendricks, Zach Davies, Alec Mills, and Adbert Alzali as your starting rotation. And I feel it's, it's, it's unfair to even read Hendricks's name in that group. I know. But but I know. what like what is that rotation going to do? What is that rotation going to do? And you haven't done anything really to address the the elephant in the room which is the offense and the issues on the offense. All you've done is get rid of and nothing is a, is a sure thing. So I don't I don't want to call you performing at that level a sure thing because nothing is a sure thing, right? I wouldn't have ever gambled that Javi would rate as the worst offensive player in the league in a 60-game pandemic season, right? Things are never a sure thing in a lot of ways, right? 2020 has assured us of that. But he was the one, like he was the main guy that it was like, if if you have this and you can count on this, right? With everything else you have, this might be okay, right? And you've removed that. You've gotten rid of that, and you've done it for maybe five years from now, four years from now. I don't know, right? Who knows? Yeah. So it's it's just very, very—it's a tough pill to swallow um, because I think that when people—and I think you and I were, were among this group that— you know, we clamored for actual change and not just continuing to run it back uh, to, you know, spend on the margins more or to, you know, not always wait to trade guys or, or, or miss the opportunity to trade guys at their value. Because in contrast to a move like tonight, whether, uh, you know, not hating this return notwithstanding, like the Cubs have a previous pattern of waiting so long to extract value from guys that it no longer exists, right? I would direct you to Albert Almora, Addison Russell, Kyle Schwarber, right? Like they literally wait so long on some of these guys that they can't get anything for them, some of whom can't even play baseball in this country anymore. The value got so low, right, on a baseball and a, a personal level for Addison Russell. But like... We, we've the people that have clamored for change like this is not what it was supposed to be the, the the change that people were clamoring for was shaking things up a little bit and using the resources that should be there from ownership to diversify the group to change the group a little bit to address 
the holes that have been a part of this group to address some of the developmental failings of the organization over the past several years. And instead of doing that, instead of that being the change we got, they're just actively getting worse. They're just actively getting worse, and they're actively doing so seemingly for monetary reasons. <laughs> Intentionally. Uh, in, in a yeah. division that they just won in which no one else is trying to win. Any team with gumption and balls and with an ownership that isn't just the worst, apparently, right? Like, they would see this as blood in the water. We can load up this team. We can destroy this division. We can be in first place by the beginning of September because this division is such a gutter, right? We can make these moves and we can focus on the Braves and the Dodgers and the Padres because we're winning the NL Central and we're going to the playoffs. And instead, the Cubs are like, nah, fuck it. We got to save some money. It's it's embarrassing. I mean, it's really it embarrassing. And, and I always say this, but this team has the highest ticket prices in baseball, ladies and gentlemen. This team, getting rid of guys who almost won the Cy Young to save money for a bunch of 18-year-olds, has the highest ticket prices in the league. And guess what, right? For next year, they didn't change anything. We're coming off a pandemic. The team is getting worse, and it's exactly the same. If fans are allowed back in Wrigley at some point in July or August or September, right, Nothing is going to be different. You're not going to pay less for a Budweiser because they saved money on you, Darvish. You're not going to pay less to sit in the the upper deck right behind a pole because they traded you, Darvish, to save money. They traded you, Darvish, to save money, and their response to you is take it and fuck off. That's what we're being told, Brendan. Corey, not only the on-field, the gate revenue— that is potentially sacrificed. You just lost Len Casper. Your marquee sports network fucking sucks, dude. That so how are you going to bring in new fans? How the hell are you going to bring in the existing fans? You and I are suckers, unfortunately. We're psychotic. We're going to be watching these games. Not everyone is like us. So how are you going to make this team appealing? It's very difficult. You lost your broadcaster, your president of baseball ops, gone. Your image, gone. The plan that there is a future up in the air. You got rid of your best beloved ace, you Darvish. And we're not even done yet. Chris Bryant, your former MVP, may be gone. Your energetic, passionate catcher, Wilson Contreras, may be gone. What am I go- like? What are fans going to turn Marquee Sports Network on to watch? What is going to entice them to go to that channel? Well, so or to even pay to go and get the channel? What is it, Corey? Well, what so is- Brandon, like- I've talked about this before. I I think they're making the wrong gamble. I've said this before. I've been through this before. I think that Crane and Tom have made the gamble that they can you know, field, and you know, I I don't know what 2021 will look like, but like they can field a decent enough team, right? And the fans will pay the money to fill the stadium. They'll go to the bars around the stadium. They'll get marquee and the Cubs cash cow keeps on going. And like, especially pre 2016, I, I think they're right. But post 2016, post a world series win, post a pandemic and watching the team, like they they haven't done anything significant in the playoffs since 2017 right i've said this before i've talked to people i'm sure some of you listening to this fall into this category of you still love the cubs that's never that's likely never to change right but is your desire to break the bank still there is your desire to spend as much as you can to be in that ballpark, to watch this team, to buy merch, to buy jerseys, to do all of this, to travel across the country to see this team, etc. Is that still at that same exact level that it was in 2016? Because I guarantee you that answer for a lot of people is no. 
And that doesn't mean they don't care. It doesn't mean that they've switched to another team or they've sworn off the Chicago Cubs forever and they smite them. It's not what that means. But I'm just asking. There has to be a threshold at which they go too far in thinking they can do whatever the fuck they want and the fans will just eat whatever shit they serve them, right? And for some people, when they acquire guys who have committed domestic violence, like a Roldis Chapman, when they keep guys in similar situations like Addison Russell and they do PR, gross PR, to promote those guys and, and, and try to uplift those guys after doing such heinous things, for some people, that's the line. For some people, the team not performing in the playoffs the last few years is the line. It, my point is it's different for everybody. Everybody has their own personal standards, their own threshold. I can't tell you what that answer is. Some are good reasons. Some are bad reasons, right? But there has to be a threshold at which a large number of people just say, you know what? I got better shit to do right? We've seen in this pandemic that ratings for the NBA, for college football, for all these sports are down, right? And obviously there's way more important stuff going on in the world. But we've seen that people's interests can just go away, right? A classic example of this is the WWE in the 90s used to get tens, tens, on the rating scale. They get like twos now. And the reason I bring that up is because there is a a, a, a sort of constant talking point when you, when you talk about how much less culturally significant wrestling is now than it was in the 90s. When people leave, when people give something up and they decide it's no longer for them, they don't care about it as much, they're not going to invest the time in it anymore, they often don't come back. And there's often very little that's an entertainment product can do to get them back once they've gone, right? And, like, I I just think that stuff like this is really pushing it for a lot of people who use the Cubs as an escape, as their form of entertainment, as something that they've loved for generations and is a part of their family. I, I just think there's a line right? And I don't know what it is. And and it's likely a combination of things, right? Like a combination of all of the things that I've been talking about likely ultimately boil over for a lot of people. But there has to be a point where you can no longer reliably just count on whatever we do, the fans are going to show up. There has got to be a point that that threshold gets crossed for a lot of people. And I don't think it's singularly trading you Darvish or entering into another rebuild or whatever the fuck they're doing right now, right? I don't even know. I literally don't even know what to call what they're doing right now. But the summation of all of these things, the years of some bad PR and, you know, just bad player decisions and some bad people that they've had in the organization, the diminished performance, again, the the sum of all of it at some point has to lead some people to be like, eh, my interest is waned. My interest is diminished. The amount of money I'm going to spend on this team is diminished. The amount I'm going to, the lengths I'm going to go to to get a cable provider that has marquee sports network has got there. It has to exist, right, Brendan? There has to be a point. And, And just perusing social media tonight, I've seen a lot of people that normally are not very negative right, on social media that are usually forgiving and positive and even some of the the bad stuff they try to turn into a positive, some of the uh, debatable trades or moves or or lack of moves they they justify and they, they give the benefit of the doubt to Theo or Jed or whoever's making those decisions. Those people are also pissed tonight. And so... I'm just saying that from a business perspective, right, you've spent all this money on Wrigley Field, you've spent all this money in Wrigleyville, you've spent all this money to build this network. All I'm saying, guys, is there has got to be a point where you can't just count on Cubs fans taking whatever you give them. 
There, I don't know what that point is. I don't know if we've reached that. I don't know if we will ever reach it. I have no idea. But there has to be a point where people say, I am not, I'm not devoting as much to this, either personally, monetarily, whatever it is. There has got to be a point. And when you, you see stuff like this, it, it, it just sort of highlights that for me, you know? Just wrap it up. You don't have any, you just give me a last something. It's it's 58 minutes. I got nothing. I'm fucking sick of talking about this, Tim. Just say, thanks for, thanks for listening. Goodbye. So I think that's, I think that's where we'll leave you. Um, This is going to be fluid, as I said, because we're going to have to see what else they do. We're going to have to see, I, I like more than anything, really, like right now, I wish we could just flat, like you could just tell me like what this team is going to look like on opening day. It would be a lot easier to just sort of like digest and, and spit out what I thought and, and stuff like that. But it, it's it's going to be um, a process. We Brendan and I recorded this as soon as we could, you know, once things were... Um, you know, sort of like official, but not really official. Um, you know, so if you hear this on Tuesday morning and some of the names are different, I don't even know if we listed the names of these 18-year-olds they just got. No offense just, to them. but Just go to Cubs Insider Bleacher Nation. Uh, yeah, you can figure it out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or just wait for, you know, five or six years. Maybe one of them will be on the Cubs. Maybe seven um, years, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we haven't even slept on this. So maybe I, w- I probably wake up tomorrow angrier. Maybe I make up less angry. Maybe I just don't care anymore. I'm just numb to the world. I don't know. So we'll revisit this. We're going to have to. Um, and, and the sort of fallout of it and the ramifications of it because this is sort of just an instant reaction. But um, this sucks, y'all. Uh, we've we've gone through a lot together as a, as a podcast and an audience. And I... This is the you know one of the least fun conversations that that we've ever had. Um, and in doing this podcast, you know, we started obviously because we started once I got out of baseball. Um, we didn't just start in 2016 because the team was good. I was previously working for other organizations, so obviously I couldn't host a Cubs podcast. But we talked about this team being a World Series favorite and winning the World Series. We've talked about them coming off winning a World Series and still being at that top level. We've talked about the lack of, you know, serious action in some of these off seasons. In 2019, we talked about them missing the playoffs altogether with this group. And I never really would have expected that. Um, but this is, you know, definitely one of the low points um, of what we've had to talk about. And we haven't done that together as a group. Um, and so... This is this is not fun. I am I'm genuinely angry um, at this team. I'm sad that you Darvish is is not going to be a member of this team. Um, he was one of the you know in in a year that was god awful and is still god awful for a few more days. You Darvish was one of the bright spots. Watching him pitch every five or six days, whatever it was, was one of the bright spots. And and to not have that really sucks. But more than anything, I'm just angry. I'm angry that what I believe is is one of the better fan bases in sports and is one of the most, one probably the most loyal fan bases in sports is being taken for a ride by this ownership and by this entire situation. This is not what we deserve. This is not what we were sold. Um, I know the team can't win the World Series every year. I don't think anybody realistically has that expectation. But we all deserve better than a team that is actively getting worse and without good reason to do so. And so it sucks, but we're going to talk about it. We'll get through it together, I guess, hopefully. Um, And we'll revisit this stuff because this is all fluid. The offseason is not over. Hopefully it gets better somehow. I'm not really sure what that course of action would be. It's probably going to get worse, and we're going to have more of these conversations. But we're all in this together. At the end of the day, like, uh, and maybe some of you are, are past that threshold I was talking about earlier, and this isn't really true. But at the end of the day, we're all Cubs fans. Uh, this is very important to us. That's why we take it so seriously. We care about it. We're passionate about it. We love it. We love this team. Um, and you know, that's why these conversations suck, um, and why we're so angry. So we will talk to you soon. Um, it's, you know, sort of a bad note. Uh, but you know, obviously, uh, want to wish you guys a happy new year. Um, was nice of 2020 to give us 
one last punch in the gut before it exited. But um, as I always say, like it, it's been a very hard year, uh, certainly more so for others uh, than than some. Uh, but I, I I do hope that you know uh, you're able to find the end of this year and the beginning of 2021 in a in a decent place, whatever that means to you and your family and you know your work status, your friends, your health, and all that stuff. I, I, I genuinely I hope everybody's okay. I hope you're fine in a decent spot. I know that's a low bar, but I think that's, you know, sort of the best that a lot of us can hope for. So I I really do hope that. Um, Thank you guys for for listening to us and, and, you know, still allowing us to do this in such an unprecedented and weird year Um, and, you know, sticking along with us and the changing of schedules and the baseball season starting and stopping multiple times. We appreciate it. We're we're, we're glad to be here with you guys. Um, And... Hopefully, you know, I don't know when the the brighter horizon is there or or how far away the light at the tunnel is for this organization, Um, but hopefully it's soon. I I don't know what the fuck they're doing, guys. I really don't. Um, I wasn't expecting this. Thought it, you know, possible we'd have these conversations, but I just didn't think it was going to take exactly this direction and, and, you know, this sort of uh, a time frame sort of feel to it. So it's, it's, uh, you know, we're kind of doing this on the fly, but... uh, Thank you again. Again, I hope uh, you can have a, a good New Year's celebration, and uh, I, I hope, you know, really genuinely that all of you have uh, a better 2021 than I, I think a lot of us did in, in 2020. So thank you guys for listening. Take care. Happy New Year, and we will talk to you again soon. And whether we are violently pissed off at this organization or not, I guess reluctantly today, Brendan, I'll fucking do it. Uh, we end by saying, go Cubs. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.